Approaches. Blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, ay. blow the whistle, uh. blow the whistle, uh. blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, yeah. blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. If you're listening to us live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter right now, you just saw our amazing quick little intro there for this week. It is a it is our fourth year anniversary here at the Coaches. Uh, we've been doing this uh, starting off with me and Coach Jibs back in 2019. We were like, hey, let's make a podcast. And it has groomed and blossomed over the last four years now. Now we have Coach John with us on a weekly basis now. We have a whole website. We have a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, it has been a fun ride so far, and we hope to have another four-year anniversary and four more years from now, which would make us eight. But uh, Coach Jibs, uh, what would you have to say about the podcast? Uh, I just wanted to say it's been a hell of a ride. Uh, I just want to shout out Coach Steve for uh, pushing me. Making me the best uh, teammate he can possibly have. Uh, I'm loving the addition of Coach John right down there, man. Like, it's a blast potting with you every week. So, like, oh, dude, like, it's been a spectacular run. Just keep going at it. Keep grinding. Put the axe to the wheel. Like, I'm excited. But, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to you, man. You're, you're the motivator. You're, you get shit pushing. You get shit going. So, Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, my friend. And Coach John, uh, anything you'd like to say? I know you're a little bit newer, but you've no, been with us for a long time. So I know. I've, I I feel like it's been a long time. I was a guest originally. I started watching the show way back in the day. We've been in some uh, you know Twitter groups together. I was a guest a couple times, and then I was blessed enough to be invited on as a you know permanent fixture in this place. So this has been great. And I and I look, the past four years have been amazing. But the future is is going to be just as bright with intros like we've got going nowadays and we're cooking up new stuff constantly. I mean, listen, the next four years is what people should be excited about. I'll bring back the last week's intro, though. Uh, we'll be back. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll be, we'll be back next week. Don't you worry. Just I had to do something a little special for our uh, fourth year anniversary. So uh, like I said, we thank you all for listening as you guys have over the years. And we hope you continue to listen and hope we gain so many new followers and listeners as we continue to grow here at the fantasy coaches shout out to the website shout out to our great team behind the scenes and you know everyone else who helps us out with the other podcasts our articles that we write daily or weekly so we all much appreciate it guys so uh let's get into the topic today guys we are episode 109 now and i don't know why our slideshow isn't working here let me take it out and bring it back in here there it is Perfect. Uh, like I said, guys, today we were talking mostly backfields and receiver cores. That's kind of our main topic today, basically going over receiver cores that we like, don't like, and you know, vice versa for the uh, running back backfield. So uh, we're going to get into the news first, and then we will get started with some uh, other things. So news-wise, there's literally nothing. And the fact that Adrian Peterson versus Le'Veon Bell in a boxing match is the most fantasy-relevant news that I really thought that was out there Um 
Like I said, we talked about the Sean Watson stuff already. You know, there's still more growing rumors that they want him out for a year, out indefinitely. But we kind of talked all about that last week. So there's really not much we can really say in terms of fantasy impact until something goes down, which I believe he has a hearing tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, guys. Yes. So, again, we'll talk more about the Sean Watson when that time comes. But uh, who do you guys think wins, AP or Le'Veon Bell? I think I'm going to go with just – I don't, I don't know. I've never seen either one of them throw hands or fight or any, but I'm going to go with the youth of Le'Veon Bell is just going to be on a, on his side. So I'm going to say Lev Bell. We're talking about we, We've seen AB throw hands. <laughs> he throw hands. He threw hands at his child. <laughs> That's a guy. He had a switch so and a 10 year old. Yeah. I mean, any way to win, I guess a fight, AB, AP is better to do. So, so watch out Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Mm, I'm taking AP. Look at that old man strength. Old man <laughs> like dad strength. Got that <laughs> power. Oh god, yeah. I was like, good for rapping. Mm. He's, just, he's just using it for his platform. He's going to promote his like next album that's going <laughs> to be on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with AP on that one too. So we'll see. Hopefully, I think it's end of July. So love to see if I can try to watch that. So well, let's get into a our first take, our first topic of the day here. We're doing uh, something called high ceiling players. So basically we all have one high ceiling player, basically a player who um, has a enormous ceiling. Maybe the floor isn't that great for them on a week to week basis, but they can put up monster fantasy points at any given week. So coach John, I'll let you go first. Who is your high ceiling play? So, I mean, I was between a few guys, but one person that I don't think is getting enough love in the community and enough love out there in, in fantasy, you know, circles is Chris Olave. Chris Olave to me is a high ceiling player. I mean, he's a great route runner. He's electric fast sub four five. Um, you know, he's got Mr. Yolo ball himself, Jamison Winston, throw him the ball who just doesn't care. And is going to throw into tight windows, going to throw into triple coverage, whatever. And, and I think Chris Olave has the skills to separate early and draw the eye of Desha- of I almost said Deshaun Watson of Jamison Winston. So I, I think that, he is going to be a high ceiling player. He's going to have big plays. He's going to have spike weeks. He could have a 60, 70 yard touchdown bomb any given chance he gets. And so, but the floor might not be there. I think Michael Thomas and, and um, the addition of Jarvis Landry, those are the floor plays there in that offense. But if you want some ceiling, if you want some pop, I think Chris Olave could, could provide that in late in drafts. All right. Yeah, no, I definitely like that there a lot there Chris Olave was someone who I've been actively trying to get on my roster in a general sense. But for this coming season here, he could end up having some pretty big weeks that makes him almost untradeable probably in Dynasty by the end of the year. So I love that one there, Coach John, for sure. Coach Chibs, anything you want to mention on Chris Olave before I let you go? Um, no, not at all. I just think I messed the concept up once again this week. So. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to call you during the weekend. Talk to you uh, yeah, about I, think, it. I think you did. <laughs> so what? I'll go, and I'll let you try to think well, of something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I still got well, some ballers. It's okay, not like I didn't okay. come well, something prepared. Out there. Like, okay. There. So, like, if you, I didn't know how to dig deep. So I just kind of literally went with, like, a complete seal in play. And, like, I wanted to give a case for Joe Mixon. Because, like, he's not a top running back. He's not. He's RB7 on fantasy purpose right now so like he's a guy that you're probably gonna be mulling in the later round picks like nine through 12 if you want to get him or not but for joe mixon's case like there's not that many workers running backs out there you got your derrick henry's you got your Jonathan taylor's dalvin cook 
et cetera, et cetera. But Joe Mac, Joe Mixon last year led it was third, I mean third in the NFL with 292 rush attempts for their art running backs last year, and that's um basically 77 percent of his team's total rush attempts. So you want a guy like that? I believe he had a 64 uh, percent rush share with him and Samaje Piran and whatever the rest of the crew down there is. But like other than that, like those guys are nobodies. Samaje Piran had. 246 yards on 55 um, rush attempts last year. So, you know, with Joe Mixon, you're getting a guy who's going to be on the field every single day. Like he has an elite offense. He has Joe Burrow going in year three. So you're expecting a lot of firepower there. So like, I want a guy like Joe Mixon. So like, if you don't be encouraged, if you have like a later round draft, I mean, a later draft slot, because I think you could get a guy like Joe Mixon right there. who could be a rock solid running back that you're going to kind of depend on and you, you shouldn't have any doubts with either. Right. And I, and I think I like, I like to, I like to take on Joe Mixon because I feel like he has that ceiling to be the RB one this season. And I mean, it's there, the improved offensive line, obviously a high power offense that's likely to score. But again, there could be times where the passing game kind of takes over and you kind of leaves Joe Mixon out of the situation at times. But I mean, for the most part, he's going to be probably killing it in a lot of weeks because I expect this Bengals team to be up in a lot of games. Coach Sean, how do you feel about Mixon? I love it. Listen, I love the talent. Um, you know, the the nice thing that Joe Burrow came out and said, look, we want to be a more balanced offense. Like we understand we were very reliant on big plays. We were reliant on Jamar chase. We want to be more balanced. And to me, I'm reading in the, in between the lines. And that means we're going to run the ball effectively. We're going to run the ball efficiently. And Joe Mixon is built for that. So you, you upgrade the offensive line. You don't really lose any other offensive weapons. Joe Burrow's coming into a year three, you know, second year healthy. I think this is going to be, another prime explosion for the Bengals. So yeah, I, I love Joe Mixon as a, as a ceiling play. I mean, he could finish as the RB one and there's not many guys. There's a handful, maybe four or five guys that I would feel comfortable, you know, saying that about. And Joe Mixon's one of them. All right. I love it. I love it. Jibs. Uh, over to mine guys. I, I went with Deandre Swift here and Deandre Swift, I feel like has a big difference in terms of his draft status right now. I've seen him go as early as round one, but as late as round three. And I think, and I think there's a reason for it because he, I think he does provide that high ceiling play, but there are definitely times in an offense, especially like the lines where he could only kind of have those very minimal games that don't really get you much outside of like full point PPR leagues. And last year he, he was, he was amazing from a portion of the season until he got hurt. And again, that's also another thing that he does get injured often. He has been hurt back to back seasons, but there are points where he could go off for almost 150 all purpose shots very easily in any game and score a touchdown. But does this new look offense keep him from doing that in a week, every every single week basis? It's potentially there. I mean, he didn't really have much opportunity with Amara St. Brown going off. You know, DJ Hawkinson's back now. You have DJ Shark, you have Jameson Williams. You have a lot more better options in the receiving game than they did a year ago. So does that does that production where he's just a consistent option every week go away and it now becomes like more of a uh upside ceiling play where he can have those really big boom weeks but it might not be as consistent on the low when he has those lower games and that's kind of why i have him as a high ceiling play so how do you guys feel about swift he's bulking up i like to see that i was very very high on swift last year especially if you didn't grab one of the top running backs and he like you said he could get all purpose shards he could rack it up i just want to see um the lions use him adequately because you also know jamal williams will be getting some type at the end of the day like a guy like 
DeAndre Swift, where you probably think he's probably going to be around three-ish running back with that much usability. I think it's a sure shot that he could be a very, very, maybe say like RB1 this year, low in RB1. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I like it. And I think what makes him, and, and you know, to your point, you were, you said, look, we don't know much about this Detroit offense. We don't know if it's, if it's going to be a middle of the pack top 15 offense, then great. Then the scoring opportunities will be there and DeAndre Swift can be that boom. So he will have multi-touchdown games. You know, he could have those big weeks, but because it's Detroit, I'm still not a hundred percent bought in. So I like that we're calling him a high ceiling player because I think there will be weeks where the floor could just get cut out from underneath him. And it just sucks because he's on the Detroit lions, but they're building things in the right way. And in the next year or two, that's that floor will solidify a little bit. And I think DeAndre Swift is, is a great asset to sort of target in dynasty leagues. And then especially in redraft, if you're looking for, you know, a little bit more, Late, not a late later running back later than the big names are going so that's a good pick thank you thank you that's thank you. late pretty much you know how them running backs fly off the board yeah yeah, yeah true. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's head over to the next part of this first topic and now going to high floor players basically players who likely might not boom that often but will be a consistent solid fantasy option week in week out Basically, someone who you know you don't have to worry about, but you'll take the times they go off and go nuts. So, Coach Jibs, I'll let you go first on this one. What do you got? And you're on mute, my friend. If you're gonna, there you go. Oh, yeah, my dog is going out of control. But my <laughs> high four player, especially in PPR leagues, Coach Jibs's guy, Keenan Allen, the guy year Great. in year out. He's been a wide receiver one for the last five years. In 2020, he finished wide receiver 14. I'll still take that. You know, like, sometimes the touchdowns are kind of weird with him. He'll go games without him. I think he's pretty much scored six the last couple of years. But, like, you're not going to get that many touchdowns out of him, especially with Mike Williams in the offense, which kind of, like, holds him back from being, like, a top, the top wide receiver year in, year out. But, like, the guy's average. 150 targets over the last five years. So, you know, you're getting production. He's playing with Justin Herbert. So, like, especially if most people are playing PPR leagues, if you're playing standard, please come into the – get out of the Stone Age. But he's a guy who's typically – I know his price has gone up the last couple of years instead of getting him in round five and four and whatnot. But, like, even if he's going in round three or so this year, round two, I think I'll still take him because I know what I'm getting out of him. And that is a nice way to put it. I, I like that one there a lot, Chibs. And I know he's Keenan Allen's always been your guy, so I yeah, do I no do love what. that one. <laughs> Coach John, how do you feel about that? I love Keenan Allen. I mean, he's a spectacular route runner tied to one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. I I see him as a floor of like wide receiver 15 and a ceiling of wide receiver 10. He's going to be in that range. There's no way in my mind he's going to fall out of that. Unless some unless an injury happens, he could fall out. But if he plays healthy 16, 17 games, he's going to be somewhere in that, you know, back end wide receiver one. Uh, and I think that that's perfect. He's a perfect candidate for this floor player where it's like you could pencil in 1,100 yards and five touchdowns for this guy. No problem. And when okay. I pick Keenan Allen, guys, I'm saying like, hey, give me 15 points. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go from there. I know I'm going to get 15 points penciled in <laughs> every week, every week, eight catches for 85 to 100 yards and then yep. hopefully a touchdown. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What's up, Kyle? What's going What's up, on, Kyle? brother? Appreciate you jumping in as always. Loving it. Uh, so, yeah, Coach Sean, over to you, my friend. Who is your high floor player? 
So my high floor player is going to be Rashad Bateman. And I like Rashad Bateman a lot. And I think the departure of uh, Hollywood Brown made things a little bit clearer. It was murky at first when you had three pass catching options, really. Um, you know, you didn't really want a piece of any of it, but I think losing Hollywood Brown makes it pretty obvious. There's a wide receiver one clear and a tight end one clear. So Rashad Bateman might be the number two option in his offense because I think it is Mark Andrews centric, but he is a, a high floor guy. He, there's not many other targets. James Prochet is not coming in and stealing targets from him. He's going to get his eight to 10 targets and what he does with them is important. So I, I don't know if that, because the passing volume is not super high in in um, Baltimore, I don't think he's got this high ceiling, but he's got a pretty high floor where I don't see a, a week where he, he'll have less than six, seven, eight targets. Like he, he's going to go out there like your Keenan Allens. He's going to go out there and get his every week and you hope he gets in the end zone and then it's a big week. But he's going to be he's going to be so solid next year. It's not even funny. Yeah, no, I, I like that one a lot. And it's, it's more of an obviously unknown because we haven't seen him do it like a guy like Keenan Allen. But you think of it like this. I mean, like you said, John, like he's going to get those targets and it's going to be a nice floor play every week. And we know that, you know, the Ravens wide receivers, they really don't boom. But we saw Hollywood have some pretty decent outings week in and week out for the most part. So I like that there a lot. Coach Jibs, how do you feel about I think we should start getting a purple cape because Rashad Bateman's been coming up like the last month or so. But <laughs> I, I like it's an excellent choice, John, just because like there's going to be some teams that are going to be smart enough that, hey, Mark Andrews, you're not beating us today. What's going to happen? You're going to have to rely on Bateman. And that's where the friendship's going to grow. And that's where the fantasy points are going to come from. So he's going to be that number one option no matter what. And um, that's a guy I could definitely get in get in bed with especially as i go wide receiver three on my all, mm-hmm. my team all right all right and over to mine guys real quick here i went with uh mike evans and i think just mike evans provides <laughs> just such a high floor year in and year obviously he's like one of the few players that can have a thousand yards and uh eight straight seasons here it's pretty hard to do that but when it comes to like mike evans he isn't someone that's putting up like a buck 50 and two touchdowns every single week he's really not and what he's doing, he's, he's putting up 50, 60 yards and getting that touchdown basically almost every single week where he gets you a pretty solid, and he's averaged about 14 fantasy points per game. And, and that's what he gives you almost on a week-to-week basis. And in this offense, even with Chris Godwin there or not, I feel like his role doesn't change. He might see a few more targets if Godwin's obviously out for you know five or six games, whatever it may be, if he is. Uh, and he might have some more boom weeks then. But when Godwin's back, he's just going to be a consistently good option. And, and that's kind of why I have him as my floor play, as my floor plays, because you're going to get over 10 fantasy points almost every single week. And with a guy like that, that's great. He might not, like I said, he might not provide you those big, big ceiling games like every single week, like a Tyree kill could do at any given moment, but he will provide you with a nice floor week in and week out where he might have just three catches for 30 yards, but he's going to get you two touchdowns. That's, that's kind of what he does. So, uh, he should be a player, especially in, in redrafts this year, as a wide receiver one in fantasy. He should be your. He should wait to round three and grab him as your wide receiver one, any which way, because he's going to be solid all year. Yeah, I think that's a great call. I I think it's funny you don't think of Mike Evans as boom, but there could be some boom this year because Chris Godwin's out. You know, Gronkowski's gone. I mean, this Tom Brady is going to throw for forty five hundred yards and forty touchdowns. We know he is going to do it. He's done it. For 20 years, he's done it every year. So where it's going to come from, I don't know. But I have a feeling Mike Evans is going to be heavily involved. So super high floor, great call. 
And then in redraft, the Tom Brady, Mike Evans stack to me is such a fun late stack to have. Um, You don't have to spend high draft capital for either player. And you could get a top end wide receiver and a top end quarterback for at least redraft. It's it's super fun. I'm mad you said that because now it's going to be in my head. I'm a stack junkie. (laughs) Like I'll go out and get like the leave ones if a, I have to, but that's it's a pretty great good. Stack, dude. It's a great stack because you can you could go running back, running back, wrap around with Mike Evans in the third, and then and then Tom Brady what in the tenth? I don't know. When do you want to we'll take Tom Brady whenever you want? Go be, be, be cautious. Go eighth round and then boom. Yeah, take him in the eighth, and then and then you got you oh, could man. start off two stud running backs. Mike Evans as your wide receiver one in your in. I would love a, a three round start like that. Yeah, mm. I would too. Just watch out, man. I, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> do that in our redraft this year. <laughs> I'm gonna be battling for that. All right, guys. So that was our high ceiling and high floor segment here, and on to the main segment of the night. And we're starting with backfields to avoid. And uh, John, I'll let you go first. Give us a backfield to talk about that you're avoiding. So one backfield I'm avoiding, and this is crazy coming from um, coming from me, but I'm avoiding New England's backfield. I really am. I, I just don't know. Listen, I think Damian Harris is a great running back. I think he's an unbelievable talent. I think he has huge touchdown upside, but that is not a very sticky stat. Like you can't be propped up on 15 touchdowns and think, okay, that's just going to translate to next season too. So even if he comes down to eight, nine touchdowns, you're not going to be happy with the, that the draft capital you're investing in Damian Harris. He's going to finish more as this, middle two versus where he finished, which was like a high end two, low end one, which that was again on, on 15 touchdowns. I just don't see that happening with the emergence of Ramondre Stevenson and some of these other players. They drafted Kevin Harris. They drafted some, some guys that I think will all contribute at some point. So it's just a tricky situation. And new England is always good at, you know, squeezing blood out of a stone and moving on to the next guy. And I think that's going to be what ends up happening here. And, and, I don't want to be caught with the bag with Damian Harris. That's my problem. And so I'm avoiding that. And then Ramondre Stevenson, again, he's a late pick, so he's fine. I don't mind it, but I just don't know if there's going to be enough usage that you're really any week going to feel comfortable starting Ramondre Stevenson. Right. Definitely. I definitely get that. Jibs, how do you feel on that? Uh, I 100% agree. <laughs> I drafted Damian Will- Harris like in the fifth round last year. He had his boom weeks, sat him down for four weeks, and then you had to just kind of wait and then pray that he – especially during bye weeks plug him in and he has three touchdowns but you never know i i think it's far shot that he's gonna have like the production that he did last year like i know the patriots produced those like laguerre blunt type seasons for running backs but it's too unpredictable for me unreliable mm-hmm. right and are you expecting them to put up 35 fantasy points of uh, 35 fantasy with 35 oh, points yeah. on their offense each and every single week probably not they're going to play smart football and rely on the defense. Mac Jones is going to do what he can do and in the game to not mess up the game. And, and I feel like that's going to hurt the run game overall. You bring in James White back, that kills the passing game overall. And you bring in uh, they got Pierre Strong, who can be really good at football if you get if they find a way to get him on the field. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one week where he's got like 10 carries out of nowhere. <laughs> like It's just the way that New England plays like their football. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. So, yeah, John, I love that one. It's definitely a good one to avoid. Stevenson definitely is okay of a late play, but definitely no no shot touching Harris this year. He's 16 touchdowns is not happening again, guys. It's just not. No. 
Coach Jibs, who is your backfield to avoid? I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. And I know Cordell Patterson, like, as crazy as it was, like, he was a fantasy star for the Falcons last year. And he finished RB9. But I don't want to go through that again, even if he has dual position eligibility. But, like, in 2021, he had 153 carries. His rest of his eight-year career, he had 167 carries. We saw him slugging towards the end of the last season, like, where he wasn't producing as much. And he's an old guy. I think he's 31 years old. So, like, Mm -hmm. you start off with that. The Atlanta Falcons did nothing. They have atrocious offensive line. PFP. Pro Football Focus has them ranked the 28th worst offensive line in their most recent article. So, like, they did not address anything. You have Marcus Mariota and Desmond Riddle as your faith, your QB Jesus. And I don't think they're getting nothing done. So, with the lack of uh, QB continuity or whatever you want to say, like, I just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I think they're going to be, like, messing with it the whole year, pulling and uh, porn quarterback in and out. So, like, it just doesn't look good. And Atlanta Falcons, like, last year they had 1,451 yards, rushing yards. That's terrible. <laughs> the Eagles had twice as much. And they only ran the ball 393 times. So, like, they're just not good with the 3.7 rush yards per attempt. So, it's just terrible. And they didn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. So, All right. they scored 11 right. touchdowns last year. Maybe they get 15. I don't think they're getting that many this year at all. So I'm out of the Atlanta Falcons. Spoken very well. Spoken very well, my friend. Coach John, how do you feel about Coach Jibs's uh, take? I I love it. Listen, two things you try and avoid when you draft your running backs is nebulous situations with incoming rookies, which, you know, Atlanta has in Tyler Adelshear. And we try and avoid bad offenses. And I think we can all sit here and agree Atlanta is not going to be a great offense. So you have a, an incumbent coming in in Tyler Algier who could take work away from you in a bad offense. So the fact that Cordero Patterson is going to try and repeat on RB9, it, you like Jib said, whether he gets wide receiver eligibility or not, it's just not going to happen. And so I, I get it. He's going super late in drafts. And so if you want to take that stab, it, it's a throwaway pick. I don't care, but I think you can make a smarter pick. And, and what Jibs is saying is, yeah, it might be a, a late pick on Cordell Patterson and who knows, but I, I'm guaranteeing that he will not finish in a top 20 situation in, at running back. He just won't. It, 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 it won't happen. It, he had got super hot early in the year. And then like Jibs said, he fell off a map. So I'm avoiding that one too. I think it's a good one. Both guys, uh, Tyler Algier, I'll take in rookie drafts, like start, you know, dynasties. Right. I'll take my chance, but in redraft format, I, I don't want either player. Right. Agreed. I, I like that, uh, Coach Jibs. Um, Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, it's a bad offense. We don't know what Cordell Patterson's able to do. I mean, these older injuries likely to occur. Let's see what Kyle said here. Uh, when people talk about touchdown regression, Patterson is a great example of someone whose touchdowns will likely decrease. I agree with that for sure. And he's only an RB and sleeper now. He doesn't have that dual eligibility this year in sleeper app. So people know that who's plays on sleeper and you want to put Cordell Patterson in your wide receiver spot. Well, you can't do that this year. Um, so over to mine, guys. I'm with the Houston Texans. Uh, another pretty obvious one here for a lot of people. I mean, you have Mac, uh, Marlon Mack, you have Rex Burkhead, you have Damian Pierce, you have uh, Dahl, I'll, I can't say his last name for my life, but Dar. Um, and they signed Dar, too. They signed him to a two-year deal. They signed Rex Burkhead to a two-year deal. They bring in Marlon Mack, who's the most veteran, talented running back on that team. You bring in a fourth-round pick in Damian Pierce. 
So there's a lot of different things going on there. Not really sure which direction they really want to go. And granted, you're probably not going to have to get any of these guys till after round nine. But I've learned over the years that going for these backfields that are going late, it's like, well, the opportunity is there for them. Something's got to happen. Most of the time, it doesn't work out. They just end up putting up minimal fantasy points week in and week out. There's too much rotation. They always want to throw someone else in there to kind of get a spark going because the offense is usually bad. And I just don't really see a situation unless Damian Pierce really can burst out of the gates and somehow gain this job. That's the only way a guy I can see with a bright spot. But again, even then I wasn't, I'm not really high on Damian Pierce. So if you're looking for like quality death or running back, I'd rather take the upside of the, uh, like the, the top tier guys as backups instead. The guy getting in round one, I'd rather go for their backups because if they do get hurt, which we saw happen very often and happens over the years, usually they can perform more of a RB1, high-end RB2 situation than going after these backfields who are just poor and just don't end up doing what we want them to do, even late in drafts. How do you guys feel yeah. about that? They could take all those running backs and show yeah. them. You know what? <laughs> I completely get with you. It's the same as the Atlanta. It's a nebulous situation on an offense that shouldn't be very good. So it's like, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't really want to dip my hands in that in that pool of water either. Yes, definitely not. Kyle is very happy about the, uh, well, not happy, but he's not upset about <laughs> the wide receiver loss of uh, Cor- uh, Cordell Patterson. So <laughs> way to go, Kyle. All right, guys. So let's uh, a couple other names. I'll just, I'll just mention off like another two teams that I had on here: the Dolphins and Jets just in general sense that mm-hmm. kind of keep that. I know everyone loves Brees Hall, but you really just don't know what's going to happen with that, that, uh, that backfield just yet. So just want to yeah. throw those names out there for, for you guys, just a, as a mention. So, all right, over to, um, Oh, I missed one. Did I miss one in here? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, there right, we go. Backfields to attack. Which backfields are you guys attacking coach Jibs? Which backfield are you trying to attack? Uh, I didn't really take it as a backfield in general. I just took it as a backup. <laughs> but backup, that's fine too. I mean, that's fine too. Thing. But uh, it's AJ Dillon, man, and like we kind of discussed it a little bit last week. But every time I draft Aaron Jones the last couple of years, I just kind of went in there knowing that hey, he's gonna miss a couple of games, and it always happens. But he's a warrior, and he comes back as soon as he can. But now that Devontae Adams has left the Green Bay Packers, I'm a little bit more interested because. As we discussed with last week, Aaron Rodgers throws to who he could trust. And looking at that depth chart, it's Lazard, it's Aaron Jones, and I'll say it's A.J. Dillon. So, like, I know most of the wide receivers might get some of that Devontae Adams production that's left over. But, like, I think he's going to rely on the running backs this year. And I wouldn't be opposed to getting Dillon three rounds later than I'm getting Aaron Jones, I'll tell you that much. And, like, you never know. Like, they're rushing uh, – I guess their rush rushers per game kind of went down similar. I know Aaron Jones is getting a little bit more catches in the backfield, but I think they're going to use these guys as a tandem. We saw there's like, a report in Sleeper that said there's going to be close to a 50-50 split. So, if you're getting that production with a three-round difference, that's the kind of guy I want, high-end um, handcuff. And we've seen it the last couple of years when he's kind of the guy by himself. What he can do, he's a bruiser, and he can catch the ball. I think he had um, 34 receptions on 37 targets last year. Simple five-yard passes, but he didn't drop that many. Yeah, that's true. That is a good way to point it. <laughs> Love that there, Coach Jibs. John, how do you feel about the Packers? 
I'm listen. I love it because I was going to bring them up as my. I was going to bring them up as my as my backfield to attack. So I like both players. I like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Now you're limiting your upside drafting both players, but Aaron Jones at RB thirteen. He's this is the first time he's been out of the RB one conversation in the past four years. So I think there's meat on the bone there. And and AJ Dillon RB twenty six off the board. I mean, there's plenty of room for him to grow there. I think you know he could be he could beat that. He is what I like to call a handcuff plus. So he's a handcuff, but plus you can use him even in the meantime. Even if Aaron Jones isn't hurt, you can use him. But God forbid Aaron Jones does go down. That's a smash A.J. Dillon week. So I think that both of these players in this backfield, you know, and I was listening to a podcast that talked about the correlation between vacated targets and where they tend to go. And vacated targets tend to come closer to the line of scrimmage and either to your tight end or your running back. That's it's it's not all of a sudden that you lose your your wide receiver one and you're just going to start opening up and bombing it to Lazard and bombing it to Christian Watson. Like that's not going to happen. You lose your wide receiver one, you're going to start being more conservative. And where does that help? That helps in the run game and that helps with guys like AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. So I, I think we could see both of these guys outproduce their ADP and and be great and god forbid something happens to one of them the other one then becomes a must start every week right now definitely i love that there jibs honestly i again it wasn't i wasn't to one backup or to one or drafting both players but just in general since you won aj Dillon later in drafts because he has that upside to be an rb1 god forbid if aaron jones goes down and aaron jones this year like coach john just said uh, with the passing attack Aaron Jones is going to be involved in that pass attack. And if he's healthy, he's going to go nuts. And, and either one, whether you get him one early, one late, or both, or whatever you want to do, this is a back. These two running backs will benefit, benefit your fantasy team all season long this coming year. Mm-hmm. And I like how the Green Bay does it. I'm pretty sure like they give them like, each a drive or so. Like it's kind of like, a, I know there's situational ball, but like it will seem like Aaron Jones has his drive and then. It'll be the Dylan drive and then vice versa. But obviously personal changes when you're three downs and near the red zone. Right. Yeah, right. I and mean, they think they try their best to make sure both guys get on the field as much as they possibly can because they are important weapons, obviously, to this team. So, Coach John, who's your backfield to attack? Um, I, it was Green Bay, but since we already talked about Green Bay, I'll bring up another backfield that I'm attacking. Another backfield that I'm attacking is this Buffalo backfield, believe it or not. I, I am. I think that the value is there. That offense is going to be so good, and the touchdown upside is so prevalent for these guys. We saw... You know, we saw the emergence of Devin Singletary towards the end of the season there. Now, I think bringing in James Cook muddies the waters a little bit and it makes things more difficult. But there is room for both of them at their ADP to outperform. Singletary is still going in the 20s at ADP and James Cook is right behind him. So I I, I don't know if this is going to be, you know, one of these guys is going to emerge as this stud RB1. But there's some depth there, and there's some touchdown upside with both players. So I, I kind of like the Buffalo backfield at value. Um, and if I'm looking for depth running backs and I'm looking for guys that I can plug into the flex and hope they get a touchdown that week, it's nice to bet on guys playing for Josh Allen in Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I like that one a lot because these guys are definitely going later in draft. So getting both or either or, depending on how your team is building at the time, could really benefit and obviously you want to be attached to those high power offenses of course coach Jibs, how do you feel about that one mm-hmm. nah, i'm not on board with that one i know Ooh. like it could be potent but 
I'm just not really a fan of the Buffalo running backs. But I guess the situation kind of cleaned itself up. But John does make good points if you do like the Buffalo situation. Okay, okay. I'll I like it. it. You probably won't like mine. I came up with a second one just in case. Like, no, you're yeah. good. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know in a second here. So, all right. I like that one. I like both your guys' takes for sure. All right. Over to mine, guys. I went with the Cleveland Browns backfield here. And the way I see it is that I think there are three running backs at any points of this draft that you could go and draft. And at some point during the season could end up being really good for you. Starting off with Nick Chubb, of course. And people are indifferent about Nick Chubb in general, depending on what format you play in, of course, because obviously he isn't somebody who's only catch probably more than 25 balls in a season. Uh, But he's uber efficient. And the biggest reason why I'm trying to attack this team in general is now because of Deshaun Watson and him possibly not playing. And now people are like, well, why would you want to do that? Because they just lost their star quarterback. They're going to maybe go with Jacoby Brissett. This team has been very successful the last two years now at running the ball. That's the biggest key factor in how they got in the playoffs last year. It wasn't because Baker Mayfield was going nuts. It's because they were running efficiently with Nick Chubb at running back here. And he will continue to do that where likely you could probably get him in somewhere in the third round as your RB1 and him put up 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns pretty much almost guaranteed for the most part as long as he can stay healthy. And then you have Kareem Hunt who isn't going as high as he used to go in drafts. Obviously, he's dealt with injuries over the years now, but he is someone if you get as your RB4 or 3 in round 9 or like round 8, 9, or 10, you know, he has upside as an RB1 if Nick Chubb gets hurt. And obviously, he has standalone value at times. And Kobe Brissett isn't going to push the ball downfield. He's likely going to dump it off at times to a guy like Kareem Hunt, who's really good in the passing game. And then you have Dearness Johnson, who you probably not even have to draft, but keep on your radar because we saw last year when he got an opportunity, he goes nuts. And I think this is a backfield that you want to be attached to. They have a strong offensive line and they don't have enough receiving game to really threaten to keep them from having the force to throw the ball as much because they will rely on that run game and play play action all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, Kevin Stefanski loves his play actions. He loves the run game. Their offensive line is superb. So I think you can't go wrong. I think Nick Chubb is, you know, we talked about floor and ceiling plays. I think Nick Chubb is one of those great floor plays where he's like, he's going to be safe every week that he's out there. He's going to be, he's going to be phenomenal. So, and then Kareem Hunt, we've seen Kareem Hunt, even with Nick Chubb healthy, we've seen him put up top 15 weeks, um, you know, because they just run the ball so much and so efficiently. And every time they're in the red zone, they're running the ball. And so it, I think I'm with you. I like this. I like the Browns call. It it does get dicey with Jacoby uh, <laughs> Brissett back there. It gets a little, it's a little dicey because you know, the offense is not going to be as, as productive, but I think that's when you can also buy the dip on, on these yeah, guys. That's what right. I was about to say. Like, probably going to slide back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if Watson does get suspended for the year, I mean, they're going to fall in drafts. Oh, sure. yeah. So, yeah. Even more of a reason. So, oh, Barry Hunt. Yeah, definitely Barry Hunt. Uh, Jibs, do you have another one you wanted to mention before we move oh, on? Oh, I was going to mention the Arizona Cardinals just based off, like, we saw how efficient James Conner could be by himself last year, and you could get a guy like that. And, like, I don't think anyone's going to be, like, running to the mill to get um, Daryl Williams, but we also saw with Kansas City when he was left alone, um, he could – be a serviceable backup running back so like those would be like a high-end person who's not going to be that high in drafts and james connor and i guess 
very low end handcuff that you could kind of acquire in drafts. Mm-hmm. All right. I like it. Definitely a good one. Uh, a couple others I just want to mention. I threw out there. Uh, obviously, Indy, of course. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor. But Naeem Hines is obviously a great late value guy in PPR and uh the the chargers philly i think in later rounds because they are going later they they have efficiency there in philly and hopefully that offense improves where they can run the ball and actually score touchdowns this year aka miles sanders so there's some other ones to attack for sure uh let's get over to the receivers now cores you're avoiding coach sean who's the core that you're avoiding this one was kind of hard because i I don't know. I didn't know really which wide receiver core I was truly avoiding. And then I had to, then it came to me like an epiphany and it's the commanders. I'm avoiding the Washington commanders wide receivers. And I love Terry McLaurin, which sucks because I love him as a talent. I think he's awesome, but I don't trust Carson Wentz to distribute the ball. Well, I don't trust their offensive line to keep him protected. I don't trust that offense to be even a top, half offense so they're going to be in the bottom of the pack in terms of scoring opportunities it's just terry mclaurin's already not happy he might not even show up i mean they might it's just that whole core to me is just too much too many question marks too much going on for me to invest anything and i understand that you know some of these guys are going late and, and even terry mclaurin's dropping um but i just don't see a world where you're going to be happy that you that you have any of these guys on your team. There's going to be a week or two maybe where Terry McLaurin has a big bomb touchdown or has a big 50-50 play that he comes down with because he's super talented. But none of them are going to be guys that you want to lock into your lineup every week and you're comfortable starting and you're feeling confident. And, and what's going to suck is you're going to get to week six and you're going to have, you know, Curtis Samuel on your team and you'll be like, this is useless i mean you're gonna cut this guy and it's gonna be no fun and you're like oh this was such a good late round pick and like well no not all late round picks turn out and same thing with terry mclaurin i love terry but you're gonna get to week six you're not gonna get the production you wanted you're not gonna get that even wide receiver two numbers that he was like struggling to put up last year and you're gonna be stuck with kind of this player with name value that you can't move for what you want and so I, I think it's just a, a situation I'm trying to avoid completely. I actually, I like that one there a lot. Honestly, I, I didn't think of that one at first, but I, I'm, I do get that one a hundred percent jibs. How do you feel about it? I completely agree. Um, I'm kind of like scary. Terry is a mystery for me. Cause I had him on a couple of teams last year and I know the quarterback kind of sways your opinion on him. If you think Carson Wentz is good or not. And obviously I know if he's not good, but, um, <laughs> but like still, like I think scary Terry could have like a decent year, but there's going to be nothing after that. Like, I don't even want to deal with Logan Thomas when he returns or backup tight ends. I kind of don't want nothing to do with freaking um, Antonio Gibson. I'm just think Washington um, commanders is a cesspool of fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides McLaurin, he's just trying to escape. He is trying to tr- get trade him somewhere. Nice. Please yeah. do him a favor. Yeah, I wish they would. I really wish they would. Oh, breaking news. Kyrie Irving is picking up his option and staying in Brooklyn. Little <laughs> basketball news. Sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, we won't get into that. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, I definitely like that one a lot. Coach Jibs, who's your avoid – core you're avoiding? Um, Unlike – I guess just bad talent. Like I think I'd have would like to avoid the Jacksonville wide receivers, even though they could have a good season theoretically with um, 
Trevor Trevor Lawrence improving mm-hmm. under Doug Peterson, another recycled uh, thing of the Eagles, but. Literally, like I think these guys could have all have a good year. Like I had Marvin Jones as a wide receiver three last year on a couple of fantasy teams, and like he was serviceable. You never knew when he was gonna have a good game. Like and when he did have a good game, it was like basically him scoring a touchdown and getting yet like fourteen half PPR points. So it's not that much of like a boom that you're gonna be expecting for these Jaguars wide receivers. And the one thing that I hate about it is they added so many cooks to the kitchen. You have Christian Kirk, you have Jamal Agnew, you have Vishka Chenault, you have uh Marvin Jones, aforementioned. Oh oh tight ends, you have Evan Ingram, you have Dan Arnold, you have Travis Etienne, you have James Robinson who could catch passes. Everyone could do all the same damn thing. So like I don't know where the fancy points could come from. It could be a roulette every week. Like you see reports saying Trevor Lawrence loves Christian Kirk, but Marvin Jones knows the offense. Maybe I don't know, but like I just think it's gonna be a headache. Just I think the best thing is gonna be like a wide receiver four for the best receiver on the Jaguars, high end wide receiver three. All right, that was another one I honestly didn't have on my list either, guys. So well done once again, Coach Jibs. John, how do you feel about that? Listen, as as someone who loves Trevor Lawrence and loves the bounce back of Trevor Lawrence, I'm kind of with you. They, they gave him a bunch of like B minus C plus players to play with, and, and they didn't really give him any elite talent. So even if someone breaks out, Christian Kirk, say, say Trevor Lawrence has a good season and Christian Kirk breaks out. At most, I see him breaking out into being a, a wide receiver three. So it's like no one really is going to emerge into this superstar player. So I love it. I think that's someone that you should avoid for sure. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Again, all these guys are going later in drafts. You're not going to have to pick them. You're not going to spend a lot to get them. But just like I said about other, like the running backs on bad teams, it's just like their opportunity is obviously there, but like they just don't perform at that level that you want them to. And then you end up being disappointed that you wasted your bench spots on players who just don't, have that upside that you really want. So 100%. like that, Jims. Um, my team, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. Um, and, and the way I see the Cardinals – and, again, it's obviously high power, high power team. Obviously, Kyle Murray's a great quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like there's so many mouths to feed in this offense here. And, you know, Jibs, you mentioned the run game. The run game was so efficient on the ground, but they also love the throw to the running backs too constantly. You bring in Darrell Williams. James Conner's a good uh, pass catching back. So is Ido Benjamin. And, and then you have Hollywood Brown. You have Rondell Moore. You have A.J. Green. You have Hopkins when he comes back from his, in- his suspension. You have Ertz. You have uh, Trey McBride. I mean, even, God forbid, Max- Maxwell Williams was pretty decent in, in, on as a receiver tight end. I mean, there's just so many options here, and I feel like there's just – you're going to have a lot of rotational weeks where someone's going to be good one week, someone is going to be good the next week. Maybe early on in the season, it's a little more focused on Hollywood Brown to be really, really, really good. But I feel like you're just going to be rotating and trying to figure out who's going to be good whichever week. And if you don't forget that, they love to run the ball. And also, Kyler Murray can run the ball as he needs to in the red zone very, very easily. They allow him a lot of open opportunity to do that. And Again, Kyle Moore has never thrown more than 25 touchdown passes in a season now, and it's going to year four. So, I mean, there's not a lot of opportunity to get many touchdowns. And once Hopkins comes back, I feel like the targets just go to Hopkins, and he might be good. But, again, he's if he starts six games, he might not be to NFL uh, conditioning level by that part of the season. Who knows? But I'd rather just avoid this receiver core if I can and, and go for other positions at that point. 
I do. I am buying into the hype, the Hollywood Brown hype a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I am. I think the first six weeks he could, he could put up some serious numbers. And then once Hopkins comes back, then it becomes a little muddy and you don't really want to be involved. Then it becomes a roulette situation. But I just think, in my opinion, the first six weeks, it's going to be Marquise Brown. It's going to be and, and James Conner. And like, that's right. where the offense is going to rotate through. And then once you throw D hop back in, then it becomes kind of iffy where you're like, I don't know which week I want to start. Who is it going to be a D hop week? Is it going to be a Marquise Brown week? But I think for the first six weeks, I'm really buying into like, if you need a hot start, I'm buying into the fact that Marquise Brown could get you a hot start. That is a hundred percent true. I, I do. I do agree with that. I just saying once, once he comes, Hopkins comes back, that's when it gets a little tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Then you don't want it because you're right. And and that's the other thing that sucks too, is Kyler Murray loves just running touchdowns in once they're in the red zone, they okay. love handing it off to, to James Conner, or he just tucks and runs it himself. So, you know, we think of this high powered offense, but they don't throw a lot of touchdowns, which, you know, you said, like you said, he's Kyler Murray's only thrown 25 in, in his career. So it's not a lot of, you know, it's not like someone's going to come down with 15 touchdowns like a Devontae Adams did one year. It's just right. not going to happen. Exactly. Jibs, any thoughts? For me, I think it's just DeAndre Hopkins' field whenever he comes back. So, like, you could have your little cute, like, six-game tryout if you want and put on fantasy points. But after that, like, you're going to be just, a, I guess, a boom, a boomer bust wide receiver in Marquise Brown situation. Like, yeah, he could get the deep throw, deep throws like Christian Kirk did, but is Kyler going to be doing that? Like, how many times a game is he going to be doing that, really? Mm-hmm. So, I agree with your all your sentiments. All right, all right. Sorry about that. My my one of my leagues is drafting right now. Um, <laughs> Who'd you yeah, pick? Uh, it's not, I'm not up yet, but it's a trade like that I have to approve at some point here as commissioner. <laughs> but I'll let you guys know in a second. All right. So some other 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 cores I'm going to mention here are the Falcons, the Titans, the Giants, the Cleveland Cleveland Browns. All kind of in general as a whole, those cores are kind of iffy. Uh, long, you know, for the entire season. So, on to the last part of our segment here. Cores we're attacking right now. Coach Jibs, you're up first, my friend. Which core are you attacking? You're on mute, my friend. Oh, no, I know I was on mute. I was thinking, ah. but um, I know we kind of mentioned him earlier because Mike Evans was going to be one of the, like my guys that we we're going to talk about in the first segment. But it's Tampa Bay, and like I think even though. Rush, I mean, they have they acquired Russell Gage in free agency, and he'll be taking over that Antonio Brown role that we saw could be productive role in fantasy like the last two years. I know AB went on in his little tirade and he kind of left the season early, but still from there, like he had um, 543 yards, three touchdowns, and he played a prominent role and played some pretty good snaps on the offense as a third wide receiver. So like we already mentioned, Chris Godwin maybe ends up on the PUP list that puts Russell Gage in the driver's seat to get acclimated, get his rapport up with Tom Brady, get the chemistry. So when he eventually comes back that he could still be active, reliable player on the offense and not rotating guys in like Tyler Johnson and, um, Scotty Miller, like those guys of the, the, that nature, but still like when Chris Godwin's returns, like he's a great wide receiver too. him and Mike Evans could both be high receiver ones and two simultaneously. I don't think they could do it at the same time in the same game, but I just love that that backfield because you have Tom Brady throwing to like John said, 40,000, 4,500 yards, just walking out of the bed. So like 
he loves his wide receivers, and he's going to throw it to him. So I love the Tampa Bay. And if the news goes south with Godwin, oh my God, like he's going as the 67th ranked player. He could be like a guy that you could probably see in the 80s or 90th range during your mm-hmm. draft selections. But obviously, buyer beware because you don't want him to pull a Michael Thomas on you either. So Oof, he's a more respectable guy, but you don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> uh, Coach John, how do you feel about that? I mean, I love it. I think that Russell Gage is a great late round target of mine. We already talked up Mike Evans as being a superstar, uh, you know, with minimal competition. So I think, yeah, that's a great core. And you have the Ferrari of an engine running that team in Tom Brady. So, you know, like like we said, you know, Tom Brady's going to get his and he's going to throw for his massive yardage and probably be top five in the league. The Bucks offense is going to be top five in the league. And it's just going to happen. And, you know, it, where it comes from is written on the, on the wall. It's if Chris Godwin gets the pup, then it's going to be all Mike Evans and Russell Gage. And then when Chris Godwin comes back, it'll be Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. It's just that simple, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I love this one a lot here. There's just so many good weapons that will be consistent fantasy options that you just want to have a part of on your fantasy team, whether it's starters or bench players. Uh, like I said, the top three guys. And even if, Godwin's not there. Maybe Tyler Johnson can be something finally, or one of the other hyped uh, camp guys that someone will come out of Tampa for at some point that could end up putting up fantasy numbers. So uh, I like that one out there a lot. Mm-hmm. John, over to you, my friend. Who's your attacking core? You're going to love this one. I am attacking the New York Jets. I, I really am. I'm, I'm buying into Zach Wilson hype, and I'm attacking the New York Jets. And this is at value. This is I will preface this by saying at value because uh, Elijah Moore is going at wide receiver 28, and Zach, and um, Wilson, what's Garrett Wilson's going at wide receiver 47. So when I looked that up and I saw this numbers, I said, look, if Zach Wilson takes any sort of a step forward, they are going to blow those numbers out of the water. You know, we you're going to have – you know, not a wide receiver one, but you could have two wide receiver twos pretty easily. And and they're both getting drafted outside of that number. So, you know, I could see them if Zach Wilson plays well and, and he stays upright and Robert Sala moves that offense and, you know, they could both be in the twenties as, as wide receivers. And so if that's the case, you're getting them both at value. Again, Garrett Wilson at a huge value and you're getting Elijah Moore at a little bit of a value, but there's someone that I'm attacking. And, and we saw Elijah Moore you know, really pop and, and have a stretch of games where he was a wide receiver, I think wide receiver four or three, maybe for like a four week stretch in the season there. And it was unbelievable. So we know that it can happen. And we've seen these high performance games out of Elijah Moore. We haven't seen it from Garrett Wilson, but he did it at Ohio state. So I, I think he's probably the most polished, you know, prospect coming in this, in this past year. So he looks like he's going to walk right into an offense and be productive. And I, I just think Again, you have to make your bed at some point with some of these players. And it's like, I'm making my bed with the Jets, and I understand what that means, and I understand that I'm I'm really going out on a limb. But if the if Zach Wilson does take a step forward and the Jets offense looks somewhat respectable, I think both of these players will be benefactors of that, as well as Brees Hall. And, and then, again, you're adding what was probably the number one running back prospect in the class, too. So I just think this offense is going to look a little bit – look a lot better than it has in the past decade. Again, uh, yeah, I'm a big Zach Wilson believer, so I, I love in this for sure. Coach Jibs, uh, any, any thoughts? <laughs> 
plant that flag, John. I thought Coach Lee was crazy last year talking all that Jet stuff, and he proved me wrong. So you could definitely prove me wrong again, but I'm definitely not touching them. And was Corey Davis dead to you? Yeah, if Corey Davis is Corey Davis is free. <laughs> Corey Davis is free. <laughs> Corey Davis is uh, like wide receiver 88. You could just yeah. just okay. like, I love Corey. Just I love kidding. me some Corey Davis. I'm perfectly fine attacking the whole Jets wide receiver core at the right price. Yeah, I, I like don't the value re- point. I don't want to reach for him, but I, I like the value. If I give them at the value, I will gladly snag them up because I do believe in Zach Wilson, but I'm not going to reach in my drafts to get them. So mm-hmm. I like it. All right. So over to my core here, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings here. Uh, and obviously Justin Jefferson is the confirmed top three wide receiver. However, you want to have that top three ranked and he's worth a mid to late first round pick. Absolutely. And then you have Adam Thielen, who is just a touchdown machine and definitely falling in a lot of drafts here. We probably get an eight round eight or nine and be very, very happy to get a guy like Adam Thielen in your draft because his production will come through those touchdowns. And at the end of the day, uh, in round 15 plus you're getting KJ Osborne who I think can have a, a, a consistent role in this offense. I know last year he kind of faded when all three of them won the field and it only took an Adam Thielen, you know, injury to make him more relevant. But, you know, Justin Jefferson is telling us, you know, there's a new new age offense here. This offense is becoming to be more of a pass first offense, something that I think we'll see similar to what we saw with the LA Rams last year. Where we saw one guy going off, another guy being consistent, and then certain weeks – and more often than not, like a guy like Van Jefferson put up decent fantasy numbers. And I think KJ Osborne can fill a role like that. Um, and again, all these guys at different levels and two of them, you're getting at major discounts for the most part. And uh, I will likely have a lot of KJ Osborne for sure. And maybe some Adam Thielen, depending on where I'm at in my draft. And if I'm late in the draft and Justin Jefferson sitting there, he's a no brainer, safe option, no matter what uh, wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, this is a. I'm, I have Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver one ranked for redraft and dynasty, so that makes perfect sense. I, you got to go with the strongest core, and I, I think when you have top end talent like Justin Jefferson, it brings the entire crew up. And Adam Thielen, by the way, I was just recently in a startup um, in a sort of redraft dynasty, like a keeper hybrid thing. Adam Thielen is so cheap. I got him in the eleventh round. So I mean, it's like. Why not? Like, I know there's not a lot left in that tank, but he could easily fall into eight touchdowns. I mean, it could happen. We've seen right. it. So um, I, I think that's great. And then KJ Osborne is another one, free square, where you're like, if anything happened to either two of the starters and I have myself a, a legitimate weekly piece. Um, so, yeah, I know. I think that's good. Um, and someone who has a lot of Kirk Cousins and Superflex leagues, I like <laughs> hearing that too. So, Coach <laughs> Jibs, I was gonna go with the Vikings for mine, to be honest with you. Uh, nice. And I didn't know you could get Adam Thielen that late. They got him wide receiver thirty-seven and half PPR leagues. Like I'm an Adam Thielen hater. Mm. But I think I'm gonna be signing that D this offseason. <laughs> oh my you know, god! It's it's all those second-year players and rookies that are pushing the veterans down everywhere right now. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's like Hunter Renfro dealing. I'll take those two. And then it says Traylon Burks and Devontae Smith. No, (laughs) I I don't mind Devontae Smith, but I don't mind him either. We'll get there another day about him. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. And then just a couple others, obviously, like the Bills, the Bengals, the maybe the Chiefs. I don't know. If they're at the right value, I'll take them. And then the Rams, uh, some other ones, obviously, you want to attack, of course. Um, but that is going to end our show tonight, guys. We do appreciate you so much for tuning in. Coach John, any last words? I got nothing. Uh, happy four-year anniversary. And cheers to the next hundred years of doing oh, this God. podcast together. I hope so. <laughs> Coach Jibs. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of yeah. July. Yes, I love it. Absolutely. So uh, thank you guys for listening once again. As always, uh, please tune, tune in into next week. We'll be back next Tuesday. We're giving ourselves off for the holiday, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, as always, go pick, check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. And, again, we're going to have some more fun stuff coming down the pipeline over the next few months. So please stay tuned in to us. So uh, until next time, guys. Have a good day. The back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock cans. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High up the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running. Track. Listen up, Jack. I'ma head back. Back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Go.